What about if you've got high estrogen? How would you know that? Well, you tend to have a lot of fluid retention and bloating. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Before we get started on today's episode of Bite Size Biohacks, just a quick note from me. If you are enjoying the show, I would absolutely love it if you could give it a positive review on the platform you're listening, whether that is Spotify or iTunes or Amazon or wherever it is that you love to listen, because it really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. And I appreciate it more than you know. So if you have a few moments and can leave a positive review, we would be super grateful to you. Now let's get into the episode. Hi friends, I am back with another bite-sized biohack and we are going to be continuing with the H in my shift protocol for health optimization and higher performance, which is all about hormones. And you've been hearing about cortisol in particular over the last couple of weeks. And what I wanna start covering now is the sex hormones and specifically, first of all, estrogen, because I know that many people struggle with estrogen dominance or actually going on a bit of a roller coaster with estrogen, particularly in the perimenopausal years when it can really fluctuate and go high and then low. And when it's going low, you get all kinds of symptoms like hot flashes and poor sleep. Um, and as you know from previous um, previous episodes and things, progesterone kind of sneaks out the back door. And if there isn't enough progesterone to counter the effects of estrogen, then that in and of itself is going to lead to estrogen dominance. So first of all, where is estrogen made? Well, it's made in the ovaries. Uh, it's also synthesized from another hormone known as DHEA. And um, you really need to have good levels of cholesterol because this is a precursor to all steroid hormones. So eating a low-fat diet, unless you're doing it for medical reasons, isn't something that I would generally advise, but always consult with your doctor. But after menopause, the ovaries stop producing estrogen, and so the adrenal glands take over the hormone production. And the biggest takeaway that I want you to take away from this episode particularly if you're in perimenopause, is that for you to have a successful transition into menopause with the minimal amount of symptoms, you really want to have good adrenal function and health. That is an absolute priority. If you are really burning the candle at both ends and really stressing yourself out and your adrenals are pumping out a whole load of cortisol, generally speaking, you're going to have a harder time. The other thing to be aware of is your metabolic health. So your insulin sensitivity and your blood glucose management, that also makes a tremendous difference, um, as does your sleep and countering the effects of any kind of inflammation in the body. That's also important. But essentially, there are three main types of estrogen that are produced. The first one is estrone or termed E1. And that's the second most potent estrogen after estradiol. Um, it's about 12 times weaker than estradiol or E2, as it's commonly called. And in premenopausal women, it mainly comes from the conversion of estradiol, which is excreted by the ovaries. Um, but in postmenopausal women, it's actually made predominantly in fat cells through aromatization. And so an obese woman will actually produce more E1 than a thin woman. And then we have estradiol, or known as E2, and that's the major estrogen produced by the ovaries in premenopausal women, so in your cycling years. 
in postmenopausal women, that is mostly derived either from E1, from this interconversion, or actually interestingly from testosterone via a process known as aromatization. Now, estradiol is the strongest and most active form of estrogen in the body, and it can be converted both into E1 and E3, and that's really based on receptor availability and need. And then the third one I want to talk about is estriol or E3, and that's the predominant estrogen that's produced during pregnancy. Now, in non-pregnant women, E3 is derived from that conversion from E1 and 2. It is 80 times weaker approximately than estradiol, and it seems to have some protective effects against stronger estrogens like E1 and E2 because it competes with E2 at receptor sites. So it's kind of both estrogenic and anti-estrogenic. It does not convert backwards into E1 or E2, but it does interestingly convert it into convert with a different pathway known as the 16OH pathway. And this is a potent estrogen metabolite. So this is important because if you're seeing a lot of estrogen go into the 16OH pathway, this can lead to more symptoms of estrogen dominance, and it can also proliferate the growth of things like fibroids and endometriosis. So a test that I love to use with my clients is the Dutch test. Um, and that is because we can actually see what pathways, first of all, we can see what how much estrogen you're producing, but also what pathways it's going down. And generally, we want to see most of your estrogen going down the 2OH pathway uh, with minimal amounts going down the 4OH, which is where DNA damage can occur um, and has been linked to things like breast cancer. And then in terms of the 16OH pathway, we want some going down it. We don't want too much. It's that Goldilocks effect that we talk about so much with hormones because actually the 16OH can help with bone density, but we don't want too much of it because it can proliferate the growth of things like fibroids, for example. So how do you know what you have? Well, the Dutch test is a great test for understanding this. And if you're interested in that, we will put links in the show notes. But you can also email us info at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. But just to go over the kind of symptoms you might be experiencing. So if you've got low estrogen, the kind of symptoms you might experience would be things like hot flashes or night sweats. You might get some vaginal dryness, can make um, intercourse quite painful. Some people will experience things like brain fog and forgetfulness and poor concentration. That again is very common during perimenopause. And it can also have impact on mood. So things like anxiety and depression or irritability and tearfulness you can also feel quite tired. Um, as estrogen drops, we tend to see drier skin. Um, it can impact collagen. Um, so you feel like you're getting more wrinkles and things coming. And it can also affect um, weight gain as well. Estrogen is actually a significant trigger, as you'll know from previous episodes for muscle protein synthesis. And so if we're working out in the gym, as estrogen starts to drop, we need to provide a stronger stimulus. Now, the reasons that you might have total estrogen could be things like your body fat's too low, you've been consuming a low fat diet, maybe your cholesterol is low, or if you've been under chronic stress and we have what's known as HPA access dysfunction. So that's the hypothalamic pituitary access dysfunction. It can also be down to things like gluten sensitivity, poor diet and lifestyle habits, um, or nutrient deficiencies. And it's also very common, as I say, uh, towards the very end of perimenopause as you're moving into menopause. Well, one of the key things we want to do, as you learned last week, all about cortisol and stress is really to support the HPA access. And if you've got low estrogen, the kind of natural therapies that you can look at is including things like flax seeds in your diet, which is great. 
Um, I don't generally recommend soy because it can interfere with thyroid function. It's a common allergen. And to be honest, it's often genetically um, modified. But flaxseed is generally one of the best things for trying to naturally produce uh, boost estrogen levels and receive, also relieve symptoms of low estrogen. However, in many cases, as you make that transition, many women will choose um, to have some hormone therapy. I think that's very much alongside lifestyle issues. I think the combination of hormone therapy alongside these lifestyle things can really, really help. Um, the other thing is that there are studies that show in terms of flaxseed that 30 grams or around four tablespoons of ground flaxseed per day has been shown to be effective for hot flashes. But as I say, it really is dependent on the woman. Some women will get some relief with things like this and also with adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha, for example, and other women do need more help in terms of hormone therapy as well. Make sure you're eating plenty of healthy fats. So things like olive oil, avocado, nuts, seeds, grass-fed, pasture-raised meat, wild-caught fish, things like that. That's really important as well. You can also do some seed cycling. Um, it's not that there's lots of scientific literature on this. It's just it does get really amazing results. And that is where you um, add flax seeds, ground flax, and pumpkin seeds or even pumpkin seed butter um, to your smoothies, for example, or you can sprinkle these things on salad, um, flax seeds and pumpkin, seed, pumpkin seeds in days 1 to 14 at the beginning of the month that can help to promote estrogen. And then after ovulation, days 15 to 28, you move to sesame and sunflower seeds to promote progesterone production. Or you can just consume two tablespoons of one seed or even one of each of the two seeds during each phase. And that's really for premenopausal women that have more regular cycles. Um, if you have irregular cycles, uh, you're in perimenopause, for example, or um, you are postmenopause, then what you can do is follow the moon cycle. So in that situation, through days 1 to 14, you that would be the new moon to full moon, and then in days 15 to 28, the full moon to the new moon. And so you can actually follow that protocol around the moon. Um, that's another way of doing it. Other kind of nutritional support things to think about would be zinc and magnesium, making sure you've got enough B vitamins, vitamin D and vitamin E, and also boron. What about if you've got high estrogen? How would you know that? Well, you tend to have a lot of fluid retention and bloating. Breast tenderness, a very common one. Sometimes breast cysts or fibrocystic breasts. That can also be down to iodine, so that's worth something to consider. Um, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, these are very estrogen-dominant conditions. Um, again, you can get mood, mood swings, brain fog, depression, tearfulness, PMS as well. Uh, that's very common if you're estrogen-dominant also get things like sugar cravings and blood sugar issues and sometimes thyroid uh, problems as well. The kind of things that cause high estrogen uh, can be down to high estrogen supplementation if the dose isn't correct. It can be that you're having actually too many phytoestrogens in your diet in terms of the plant foods uh, that are phytoestrogens. It could be that you're exposing yourself to too many xenoestrogens and there are a lot of estrogen disruptors in our environment that we want to avoid, things like BPA, for example, and plastics. It could also be that you've got poor elimination. So if you're constipated and you're not moving that estrogen once it's been detoxified and packaged up by the liver if you're not moving that through quickly enough what can happen is you can have some bacteria that actually open up the envelope of that estrogen and it gets recirculated in the body so that is through beta-glucuronidase um, activity now things like calcium deglucurate can help with that but also you can get that checked out through a gut test with something like the Genova diagnostics test um, is a really good one the GIFX and that's one that I tend to use with clients 
Um, we want to make sure that that elimination process is working effectively. It's really important. A lot of women, when they feel like they've got estrogen dominance, they think about taking the supplement DIM. I would always recommend testing first because DIM can be very effective in terms of helping to move the pathways. I was talking earlier there about the pathways that your estrogen is going down and moving it into the more favorable 2OH pathway, but it can also lower overall estrogen. And sometimes women can end up with things like hot flashes because what we need to understand is why is that estrogen dominance happening? Is estrogen overall high? What are the pathways it's going down? Um, and actually, or is it high? Have you got estrogen dominance just because at this point you don't have enough progesterone to counter the effects of estrogen? So understanding that information and working with a practitioner is really important before you kind of start going and using different supplements, which actually can be quite powerful. The other thing to think about is your liver health. Um, if you've got sluggish clear liver clearance of estrogen, that again can lead to estrogen dominance symptoms or things like poor bile production. And then as always, we come back to stress, this can aggravate things as well, as can toxicity, uh, particularly things like heavy metal toxicity, or if you've got low sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. So when you're looking at nutritional and lifestyle support for high estrogen, as I say, um, DIM, which is a compound which is produced in the body from I3C, the, which is the indole that's found in cruciferous vegetables, can be very effective. Um, DIM supplements actually have concentrated therapeutic amounts of I3C, um, uh, but it does tend to lower E1 and E2 estrogens as well as promoting that healthy metabolism. So it's really best used when we're looking at optimizing those phases of detoxification of estrogen, but also when overall estrogen is high. Otherwise, you can get effects like things like hot flashes. And that's really why I do recommend that you get checked out. Um, calcium deglucrate is another good one to help keep um, estrogen bound so the body can get rid of it and minimize beta-glucuronidase uh, beta activity uh, by your gut bacteria. It does um, lower estrogen, but it doesn't shift the pathways um, effectively. So really, that's best used when you've got really you know, high levels of estrogen and the body is favoring the, the good pathway anyway. So um, that's something to think about and talk to your practitioner about. The other thing is if you're not very good in terms of methylation, that can lead to a kind of third tier of estrogen dominance. And in that situation, looking at things like broccoli seed extract, which actually upregulates the NRF2 pathway and supports phase two detoxification is going to be really, really helpful and supporting your liver, supporting uh, certain nutrients in the body like magnesium, B12, folate, B6, vitamin E, iodine, and also supporting progesterone. But you always want to be careful with iodine um, itself and consult a practitioner uh, in relation to any kind of supplementation. So that's really kind of estrogen in a nutshell. But with all the sex hormones, the key thing is really to be looking after the health of your adrenal function and actually understanding, you know, don't guess is the best thing to do is to test um, so that you know what you're doing. You can get advice from a practitioner to really help you. Um, but managing stress with all these things is key and looking at ways of moderating. We can't necessarily control the amount of stress we're exposed to, but we can control our reaction to it. And if you'd like more help with any of this, then please email us at info at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. And also, if you'd like to be around a wonderful community of women who are all looking to optimize their health, then check out my membership, the Female Biohacker Collective at AngelaFoster.me forward slash biohacker. That's it from me on Bite Size Biohacks this week, and I'll see you next week for another episode. 
please know that while I try to cover as much information to help you as I can on these bite-sized episodes, none of the things I mentioned should be taken as a substitute for medical advice. And before taking any supplements or anything else, please consult first with your medical doctor. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources, and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.